This program was first broadcast on Canterbury's access media station, Plains FM, and was made with the assistance of New Zealand On Air. Welcome to the Alcoholics Anonymous radio show here on Plains FM 96.9. My name's Martine and I'm an alcoholic. The purpose of this show is to increase public awareness of Alcoholics Anonymous as an effective means of recovery from the disease of alcoholism. Our show has two parts. First, we talk a bit about alcoholism, what it is and what AA can do to help, and then we'll interview a recovering alcoholic who's an active member of AA. I'm now going to ask our guest to read the AA preamble, which is read at the start of every AA meeting. AA Preamble. Alcoholics Anonymous is a fellowship of men and women who share their experience, strength and hope with each other that they may solve their common problem and help others to recover from alcoholism. The only requirement for membership is a desire to stop drinking. There are no dues or fees for AA membership. We are self-supporting through our own contributions. AA is not allied with any sect, denomination, politics, organisation or institution, does not wish to engage in any controversy, neither endorses nor opposes any causes. Our primary purpose is to stay sober and help other alcoholics to achieve sobriety. So what is alcoholism? Alcoholism is a disease, not a disgrace. There's no shame in having an illness or a disease. An unusual feature of this disease is that it will do whatever it can to convince you that you do not have it. However, once it has a hold of you, the progression of symptoms is like the classic disease model and the victim is as helpless as a sufferer of cancer. If you're an alcoholic, you're at the beginning of a long road that usually ends in one of three places, prisons, institutions or death. And if you think this sounds dramatic, we can assure you that our collective experience has shown this to be true. The challenge is to convince the alcoholic to admit that they need help and become willing to seek it. Denial is a major symptom of alcoholism and the alcoholic is often the last one to recognise it and admit that they have it. Our definition of alcoholism is that it's an allergy of the body coupled with an obsession of the mind. The allergy is the physical aspect of the disease. After having the first drink, the phenomenon of craving develops and we lose control over when we will stop drinking. The old saying is one is too many and a thousand is never enough. And yet because of the obsession of the mind, the mental aspect of the disease, the alcoholic is compelled to keep picking up the first drink and this makes us powerless. We often hear from sober alcoholics that many doubted whether life could be fun without alcohol. Fortunately, those same people report that their lives have improved dramatically since they became sober. The 12-step program of recovery, which is discussed at meetings and which is outlined in the Alcoholics Anonymous Big Book, is how we get sober and maintain our sobriety one day at a time. This program has a proven track record of helping otherwise hopeless alcoholics to achieve long-term sobriety and recovery. It has taught us how to enjoy life sober. Okay, for anyone who's just joined us, you're listening to the Alcoholics Anonymous radio show here on Plains FM 96.9, and we're just about to interview an AA member who's going to share their experience with alcoholism. So I wonder if you could um, introduce yourself and just let us know a bit about who you are, maybe starting off with your age, how long you've been sober for, and your occupation. Sure. Um, My name's Sarah. I'm 38 years old. I've been sober now just over five years, celebrated my fifth sober anniversary on the 17th of December, and I work as a content editor. 
Cool. And I wonder if you could tell us a bit about your childhood, what it was like growing up, what life was like for you. Well, sometimes I feel embarrassed uh, when I say I actually had a really lovely childhood (laughs) and I kind of have no excuse for being an alcoholic, but um, I really did. Uh, I grew up in the country. Uh, We had a lot of freedom and space to run around and play. And yeah, it was really idyllic and beautiful. And I have fond memories of my childhood and my parents created a really happy home for my brother and I. Nice. And I wonder if you could tell us about when you started drinking and what your first drink was like. So I got to alcohol quite late. Uh, I didn't have my first drink till I was about 16. Mm -hmm. It was at a party and uh, my first drink was drinking till blackout. It was a terrible experience. I remember behaving appallingly um, and I didn't drink again for... I think several years after that. Wow. And then and then after that, what happened with your drinking? How did it progress? How did it make you feel? So I remember when I started drinking again, uh, it was usually a couple of drinks to begin with to go out partying and then I'd be able to stop. But it progressed in that I realised after a couple of drinks, I just felt more free in myself. Mm-hmm. I was a very shy introverted kid. I didn't go out much in high school. And then drinking just made me feel like all the lights had been switched on in my head, that I could be confident, that I was attractive, all the things I didn't feel when I was sober. And so it found like it felt like it was my missing piece, really. Right. It was my key to living life on earth. Yeah. <laughs> and and how did it progress to the point that you started to think this isn't normal, this isn't good, potentially I might have a problem? So, yeah, like I like I said, I, when I first started drinking again when I was about 18, it was a couple of drinks but um, at a time. But then when I came back to the University in New Zealand, um, the year I was back here, it really, really progressed. It was probably one of the worst years of my life. Um, I drank to blackout a lot. Uh, I behaved atrociously. You know, I barely scraped by my exams and at the end of the year I was just so ready to go back home and be with mum and dad and get away from the life that I'd created here because it wasn't a good life. I was very ashamed of myself. Had you lost any jobs or had you ever been in trouble with the law? Yes. So when I went back home to live with my parents, um, I seemed to hop around from job to job and looking back it was because, you know, I went out drinking all the time and so when it came to the day-to-day of working, you know, I couldn't think. My brain had turned to mush and um, I was living um, in a country at the time where uh, punishment for being caught drinking was quite extreme but that didn't seem to matter to me. I, um, I got caught for drink driving and was very lucky not to get a sentence from it. Um, yeah, I just think that my higher power must have been looking after me then. And I that was when I was about 22. And I wish, looking back, that that's when I've been able to give up. But it obviously wasn't my rock bottom. Yeah. Yeah. So can you tell us about, about your rock bottom, how you ended up deciding that you just couldn't do this anymore? So my rock bottom, I think, it was probably a series of consecutive lower lower and lower lows and I just kept thinking, how low do I have to go? You know, yeah. how, how terrible does my life have to get? And I think 
the hard thing is on the surface, or so I thought, my life was okay. I was still in a job. I had a home. I had a boyfriend. I had friends. Um, but I was living a double life. You know, the relationship was uh, very toxic and I behaved terribly in it. The job, I'm not sure how I kept that going. And my home, well, in the last five years of my drinking, I moved about nine times. And, you know, that's not normal. That's yeah. really not normal. And the reason I moved is because I was ashamed of how I behaved in every single home. So I felt like I had to move on. You know, alcoholics always talk about making geographicals and those are my geographicals. <laughs> Many geographicals yeah. across yeah. town. So, um, so how did you find your way to your first AA meeting? So um, when I was about 24, I went to my first meeting. I It was a woman's only meeting. Uh, it was during the day and I remember just crying through the whole meeting. I obviously felt something there, but I wasn't wasn't ready to get it. And then when I was about 30, I decided that I needed to really get help again. So I went to addiction counselling and he suggested AA and I was very reticent. I just thought it wasn't for me. And it still took me a few years to get it. Yeah, uh, Definitely a few years of trying to do it on my own. And until I finally realised I couldn't do it on my own, I needed help, I needed a community. Yeah. So what was the first meeting like? The first meeting I got to when I first, when I got sober this time, um, I came to it with my hand in a cast. I'd broken my hand the last night of drinking and it was a Monday. How did you do that? Oh, (laughs) I was, uh, I don't remember this, I was in blackout, but I was uh, at a bar and I was walking outside and apparently I stumbled and broke the fall with my hand. But, you know, I was so drunk, it didn't even register the pain. It wasn't until the next day. Um, So that that was really, I think, what kept me sober during those first few months. You know, I got sober in summer, which doesn't happen to a lot of alcoholics, especially before Christmas and New Year's, but... Waking up every day with that reminder, yeah. you know, this heavy cast on my hand, that that really helped. So I think it was a blessing in disguise. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I guess the, the reminder of, yeah, that you're a blackout drunk. Because mm-hmm. that was one of the things for me that um, was was very powerful, that reminder, that proof, that black and white. Yeah. I, yeah, I really kind of needed it. So, so how would you say that you've managed to stay sober? I really don't know because I have done this program really hard. You know, I have I have been stubborn and obstinate and I refused for so many years to follow the suggested steps and I had to get my ego smashed over and over again and get to new levels of humility to finally realise I need to do the suggested steps or else I'm going to isolate and if I isolate I might drink and if I drink I might die. And I realise I don't ever want to get back to that place. Yeah. But um, I've realised that you can you can suffer more sober than you are drinking. We hear it all the time that drinking is the solution. And it was my solution to make me feel better. And without the solution, I had nothing. And I realised the only thing I have, what people in the programme taught me, is I have my higher power. And no matter what's going on in my life, no matter how chaotic the world will be, if I connect to my higher power every day... Every day, not just when I feel like it, yeah. then everything will be all right. 
and I'll be able to cope with life. So you're talking about finding your higher power and humility. How did you get to that point? What what does that mean for you? So I was always searching for God or spirituality my entire life. And I didn't realise when I first got sober that AA is actually a spiritual program. It is spiritual healing is the only way we can get sober. And it's very, it's it's both, it's kind of a paradox. It's both hard and easy to connect with your higher power. You have to do the opposite of what we're taught, especially in Western society. You know, it's not looking out at things, it's looking within and it's sitting with yourself. And as an alcoholic who's been to the most sordid places, the last thing you want to do is sit in yourself. Yeah. But once you get quiet and you pray and you hand over and you do the readings, you're able to find that place inside yourself, that knowing self that's always been there, and that's what connects you. That's what drives you on. That's what connects me. But it's a daily remembering. It is really a daily remembering. You know, I still wake up many days feeling irritable, not wanting to be out in the world, just wanting to isolate. That is an alcoholic's default. What's my my default. Yeah. But when I do my prayers, my readings, my meditation... It just somehow clears the clouds. It writes me, you know, it makes me just a man among men. That's what they say we should be. No better, no smaller, just is. And I will go out in the world and be useful. And as an alcoholic, that's one of the most important things for us is to be helpful, be useful, be of service. You know, the, the main point of meetings is that once we recover is to carry the message to the still-suffering alcoholic to not go to meetings thinking, what can I get from this? What can I, it's more, what can I give? Is there anyone around here I can help? Anyone I can talk to after meetings? And when I'm in myself, I'm not good at doing that. Yeah. I get shy, nervous. I think, oh gosh, I've got nothing to say. But when I settle myself and just think, it doesn't matter. I'm still, I'm five years sober. I have something to give no matter what. You just start a conversation and away it goes. That was beautiful. <laughs> How important has um, service been in your recovery? Service is a tricky thing for me uh, because my default is to be selfish and self-centred and think of myself all the time, think about what I can get from life, what I can get from others. And so when I do my daily readings, when I do my practices morning and night and I remember God throughout the day, that helps me remember what my role is here to do. And I've had various experiences with service. I remember when I was quite new in recovery, I tried to sponsor and it was very difficult for me because I was just worried about her all the time and trying to control her experience. But I have to allow someone to have their experience. It's not up to me if someone stays sober or not. What I can do is pass the message on, pass on what worked for me, what is working for me, and pass on hope. Yeah. And so I look forward to when I'll be able to sponsor again. But at the moment, for me, having a service role in a home group, uh, checking in with my sponsor regularly, going to regular meetings yeah. and talking to other alcoholics is really important. Cool. So how would you describe the life that you've got today? How is it compared to how it was? It's honestly like night and day. It's 
I think the funny thing about it is that it's nothing like I would have dreamed. I used to have all these fantasies of being wealthy and having a high power job and being successful and looking great to the outside world. Uh, but my life is very simple today and I actually like it like that. You know, it's it's no coincidence that now that I'm sober, I've been in the same job over four years, mm-hmm. lived in the same home, uh, coming up four years. Uh, I have a car, I have a driver's license. I know where I am when I wake up in the morning. Like those things are priceless, that they really are. And I just didn't have that stability when I was still drinking. I honestly don't know how I was kept alive. I really don't. It was something was looking after me. Yeah. Yeah. And what about your relationships with people, families, friends? How's that now compared to how it used to be? So it's really interesting. I don't know how I kept relationships going when before I got sober. I honestly don't. I think I was quite selfish in them, thinking about what I could get. And now I think, you know, you have to face them. You have to face people. You can't run away from people. I used to run away from people all the time if either I upset them or they upset me. And now I have to be a grown-up and have adult conversations and talk things out and take responsibility for my part in things. I was always such a victim and... I know now that being a victim is wanting attention and I don't need to get that attention anymore. The only the only being I need to prove myself to is my higher power. You know, if I can go to sleep at night feeling peaceful, that's more than enough. And I think for me, one of the things that's important to me in my nightly nightly readings is do I have anything to apologise for? Do I have... Do I, do I need to say sorry to someone? You know, that takes me to another level of humility because I often don't think I do. I often get self-righteous and think, no, I'm fine. I did well today. But if I humble myself and go to that place and think, yes, I need to need to give this person an apology or need to right-size myself in another way, that's what keeps my relationships going, honesty and keeping myself Right-sized. Right-sized, That yeah. right-sized thing is really, um, it's really an interesting thing, I think. And I was um, in a meeting where there was a reading and they were talking about in addiction we are so often, um, we have to be controlling everything or we leave everything to the other person. And that was certainly something that when I was listening to it, I thought I can certainly relate yeah. to that. AA has been described as a spiritual program. What does spirituality mean to you? Spirituality means to me, it's our basic essence. That's who we really are. You know, we're spiritual beings having a human experience. That's what I truly believe. And we need to remember that not just a couple of times a day, but all day, every day. And it's a big part of how I live my life. How would you describe spirituality as being different from religion? The best thing about spirituality is that it can be whatever you want it to be. Your higher power can be whatever you want it to be. You know, like my version of God may be different of your version of God, and that's absolutely fine. It's just an entity, a being, an intelligence that keeps you accountable 
that's what I believe it to be, yeah. Sure. And lastly, what would you suggest for any listeners if they're sitting at home and they're thinking, I'm not sure whether I've got a problem with alcohol or not. Are there any questions that you think they could ask themselves that would help? I think some of the questions to ask yourself is, do I promise myself that I'm not going to have more than a couple of drinks tonight and you go out and you have another big night again? Do I have trouble with my personal relationships? Do I fail to keep jobs? Do I say I'm going to do something and I don't follow through? Am I keeping big secrets from people about what I did when I was drinking? Those were some of the questions I had to ask myself. Yeah, that's great. Sarah, thanks so much for coming on and doing the show and sharing your story with us. Thank you. For our listeners, if you've related to anything you've heard or would like some more information about Alcoholics Anonymous, you can look us up at the web at www.aa.org.nz or call us on 0800 AA Works. There are over 60 meetings a week in Canterbury, so it's likely there's one near you. Join us next week to hear more from AA members sharing their experiences. Our show airs every Monday at 5.30 on Plains FM and repeats Wednesday 12.30pm. You can also find podcasts of our past shows on the Plains FM website at plainsfm.org.nz or you can download, subscribe and listen to podcasts on iTunes and Spotify. That brings us to the end of the show. Thanks for listening and remember, if you want to drink, that's your business, but if you want to stop, we can help and you don't have to do it alone. We will now close the show with a serenity prayer as we do in every AA meeting. God, God, grant me the serenity to accept the things I cannot change, the courage to change the things I can, and the wisdom to know the difference. You've been listening to the Alcoholics Anonymous radio show on Plains FM 96.9.